Welcome back to the show. Today, I am very happy to have with me Dr. Angela Tan. She is a medical doctor and intimacy coach, the co-founder of Academy of Relationship and Sex, which started in September of 2020. Uh, today, we are here to talk about all things relationship, sex, something, some topics which might be a bit taboo, but uh, it's a podcast platform and we are here to explore it today. Welcome, Dr. Tan. Definitely. Thank you for having me today and I would love to share whatever you guys would like to know about this sensitive topic today. Dr. Tan, can you do, do a self-introduction mm. of yourself to the audience? Okay, um, so I'm medically trained. I've been working for a doctor for more than a decade. And over time, what I noticed was that, you know, um, patients were coming to me and they were struggling with the problems of sex. But yet, you know, with, even with a master's degree, I wasn't adequately able to explain to them or even give them sound advice to help them improve things in the bedroom. So that started my search of who can I refer and I realized there was, you know, hardly anyone in the community I can refer to. I started to research then how can I train myself in the realm of sexual medicine. And that started my journey um, about four or five years ago where, you know, I got myself trained at, in the field of sexual medicine. And that was how I started the whole practice. When you previously had to refer someone, right? Mm. What is sort of the conventional way of referral that doctors can do mm-hmm. for a patient who has mm-hmm. issues with in this aspect? Well, I mean, if it's a technical issues, I either refer it to the urologist for men, urology, okay, um, or gynecologist for females. Mm. But you know, sometimes the, the issue is just not technical. There's something about the way they are doing things or their psychological component of it. And there are not that many psychologists included. They are also familiar with this terrain. Um, you know, five, seven years ago kind of thing when I first started out. Yeah. When I was reflecting about this interview, right, preparing for it, mm. and I was just thinking that relationship is really one thing that has a big bearing on our happiness <laughs> yes. on okay. a daily level. <laughs> okay. So if, we can just, if I can just share with you mm. my, my story, right? Mm. So you saw, you know, I'm living alone. Mm. Um, my parents have passed away ah, and okay. my siblings have moved out Right. and I'm my own boss Right. so I don't have that mm-hmm. uh, boss-colleague relationship mm-hmm. very, mm-hmm. very little of it now at, mm. this, at this point of time mm. and I also don't have to worry about like parental relationship or mm. siblings relationship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so my relationship with my girlfriend right, my partner mm-hmm. becomes so important mm. okay, okay because it takes up like my relationship with her will take mm-hmm. up maybe like a good 80% of my interaction with others. With others. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. of course, in, in work, you know, when mm-hmm. I book my guests for mm-hmm. a podcast, when I sit down and mm-hmm. interact with people, I have that. Mm-hmm. But that really the intimate day-to-day mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. So in your work, right, Relationship and Sex Academy, mm-hmm. how much of the problem that you patients come and see you, right, how much do you think is a technical sex issue mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how much of it is really the soft skills, the, the relationship mm-hmm. part of it? Mm-hmm. Well, majority of the clients who come to me um, are actually out to solve the soft skills. Mm. And of course, some part of sexual education as well. Because um, unfortunately, you know, more than 80% of us actually research about sex online. Mm. And this may not be appropriate, especially when it comes to pornography, which is a very skewed way of dealing with sex. And if you are learning how to have sex with somebody through pornography, what we end up with are the things not to do. Uh, so couples struggle with it. So when, I, when it comes to them, when they come to me, um, by then, sometimes they have built a lot of resentment, disappointment, and frustration with the situation with each other. So I had to solve with them uh, both the relationship part 
as well as the technical bits. Mm. And I mean, the, the true, true technical bits, for example, are medically related erectile dysfunction. Uh, they will have went to my colleagues, the urologists first, before they will seek something else. So usually those that come to me are the leftovers, like I would say. Okay. Yes. So how should people learn how to have sex? Wow, that's a tough one. Because I mean, like, <laughs> let's say uh, over, mm. over the weekend, my mm. cousin, right? Mm. He celebrated his 19th birthday. Mm-hmm. A young man like him. Mm-hmm. How should he learn how to have sex? Well, to me, right, um, having sex is not something that you learn the moment you have your 18th birthday, 19th birthday, or 20th birthday. It's actually a continuum since we were young. Like, you know, the whole connotation of sex has been so warped up in the sense that it's only pertaining to intercourse that we have forgot the whole continuum of it. Mm. Like, you know, as a growing child, a toddler, what do they need to know about sex? They need to know about identifying their genitals as what it is. Like, you know, the penis and vulva is no different from the hands or the feet. No, no difference. I mean, it's all body parts, right? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> In that sense. But because of the way we are teaching our children, we made the vulva and the penis so exclusive mm. that it's filled with embarrassment or shame. We don't even name it. Yeah, I mean... It's we have all of kinds of nicknames for it. Yeah. Definitely, you know, the yeah. type of nicknames speaks about how much taboo there is. And the moment, you know, you enter a relationship feeling shameful about your private part, you know, what's going to be, what's that intimacy going to be like? Can you imagine that? Mm. Yeah, and then after that, you know, as they grow up, we teach them boundaries and respect. Because when you're in an intimate relationship with somebody, you need to know where the boundaries are. You need to be able to take care of your own boundaries and respect your partner's boundaries. And that's where, when the trust is built, can the intimacy then comes along. Mm. You see, so if you're just viewing sex as an intercourse itself and as the act only, then we have forgotten the whole process of it. How do we actually mature to become a good lover for our partner? Mm. Am I making sense to you? Yeah, it makes a lot. But there's so much layer to it. I'm just <laughs> trying. Exactly. I'm just trying to figure out how I should um, unpeel this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then I need you to speak maybe a little bit closer to sure. the microphone because I mm. hear a bit echo there. Can no worries. So let me just try and. Mm. Um, unpeel this right mm. from um, maybe I talk about from us entering our first relationship mm. and I always try and think of the podcast right as every guest right as uh, who are the people who might be interested to listen to this mm. and for parents who are listening to this right mm-hmm. when they are having teenage kids who are growing up mm-hmm. 14, 15, 16, 17 and they realise that their kid is getting into a first relationship yep and that's where there's a lot of worry as well, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and about the emotional aspect of it. Definitely. And also the physical aspect of yes. it. Whether the kid is having sex mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. their partner at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Uh, what should be a right mindset for parents or for the teenager when mm-hmm. they are at this stage of their life? Mm-hmm. Well, even though a lot um, has to be attributed to the parent-child relationship way before, um, but since we can't change all that has passed, what's important is to focus on like what does a child exactly know about sex at this moment in time? Um, where are their boundaries? Where's their safety? What are their concerns? Because they might have learned about sex through online, through pornography, through their friends, which is the top three places um, kids nowadays learn sex from, is to find out what they exactly know and that we can have, a, once we have an understanding of what they know, it's easier for us to give advice. Mm. Okay, and to understand, you know, what is their boundaries with their partner? And what does, you know, having sex early in life actually means for each of them? And what does, what's the significance of sex to each of them? 
So a lot of kids, you know, might not have the opportunity to have a conversation like that because to them it's like, wow, you know, the act is so hyped up. It's like, you know, once I'm having sex, I'm a grown-up. It means that, you know, I'm being desired, I'm wanted. And they don't look at the significance behind the whole interaction itself. Mm. And what exactly leads up to that, you see? So it's really about sitting your child down, having a conversation, an open one. Um, not one that we are insisting on our own ideas and our own views, but to hear where they are and to actually point out what could be something unsafe in some of their thoughts. Alright, so that, you know, if they eventually do have a sexual encounter, you know, hopefully it'd be a more pleasant one. Mm. What do you tell people is the significance of sex? Oh, it varies from people to people. Okay. <laughs> okay, um, so a long time ago, when I first started the work, I went around asking, okay, um, what do you think is your ideal sex experience? Okay. Okay, um, so majority of the answers that I get from males are, you know, as long as I'm able to hold my erection mm. and ejaculate eventually, to me, that's great. There's a certain age group of men as well. <laughs> we'll give this kind of answer. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, they are between 20, 30s. I mean, around my network, so 20, okay. 30s. Okay. Okay, um, and for females, um, to them, is as long as the sex is not painful, mm. to them, it's good enough. Okay. And to me, I got a shock. Why? Why? You know, you know, it's like um, if females think that not having having painful sex is good enough, they haven't even oh mentioned about pleasure. That's a very low kind of... Yes, it's a very low entry. Yeah. You don't talk about connection. You don't you talk about intimacy. Mm-hmm. Right? And that shocked me. And then for men, it was very focused on their performance. It wasn't about the connection or intimacy either. And that wasn't what I signed up for when I started this journey. Because mm-hmm. I wanted to, you know, help people build connection and intimacy with each other and, and themselves along the way as well. So, I mean, that got me to like, okay, maybe this is where I should really start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a man, I can totally relate. <laughs> okay. No, really, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you're younger, as mm. a man, you sort of, how many percent of your patients are men, actually? Uh, I get about 50-50 because most of the time okay. I do get couples, actually. Okay. Mm. Okay. So, do you feel like men typically have more are, are there issues similar between men and women um different um like you're probably right you know men are more technical yeah so to them their kpi is either they can last or their kpi is you know i can help my woman have an orgasm during our interaction mm. so there's always an end point and there's always that stress as well yes to yes. perform up to a certain ideal kind of vision mm. that you have mm. of mm. a satisfying sex experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But not every uh, encounter can be that ideal state. Yeah, yeah. Then what do we do about it? Also, it's about being honest and talking about it. Like, you know, every sexual encounter kind of add to your experience list. It's not a, like a target board that you have to hit every time. Mm. But how do you actually be present during this interaction and make it memorable. So, you know, there, there are days that we feel down. So, it's not every time that the woman or man wants to have an orgasm as an end point. Mm. Sometimes they just want to be loved and cared for. So, to me, um, a lot of times I do tell my clients, you know, sex is never about intercourse. It can also be a simple back rub. It can just be cuddling. It can just be fondling or caressing each other without going all the way to the end or it can even be mutual masturbating, right? Without actually taking part in an intercourse. Mm-hmm. It's really a time 
where we can share an intimate time with each other. Mm. And I suppose it can come in other aspects as well, mm. right? In the relationship, mm. it can also be like going to a movie together. Yeah, like um, having just me time, like definitely, two definitely. person time. Yeah, I can imagine, especially for couples who have children. Mm. You know, when they don't have that 二人世界, sometimes <laughs> yes, they feel like a bit disconnected from yes. their couples. Yes, what's your experience with married couples? Oh, with children, you know, plenty. Okay, <laughs> but a lot of time it's about sorting through the resentment that builds up, and also clarifying their signals. Because like sometimes when I want sex, my partner may not want. Mm. And when my partner wants sex, I may not want. Mm. So when we keep rejecting each other, the resentment then builds up. Mm. And it causes problems in the relationship. So it's about understanding how do you set up a schedule that we can put time aside for each other. And how do we make rejection more pleasant? And how, 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 how? <laughs> <laughs> well, rule number one um, is never to take re- rejection personally. Okay. Yeah, but to really understand um, what is happening in your partner's life. And then if I'm the one rejecting, then I also have to be responsible for the rejection. I'll go like, hey, you know, honey, um, not today because I have a report to submit tomorrow. I'm really stressed about it. Okay, how about, you know, my calendar looks good next Thursday. Oh no, then you have to schedule a date for sex. Yeah, I mean, okay, to me, it's like okay, married couples with kids. Okay. And if we are all full-time careerists, mm. if we do not schedule time aside and make an effort for it and be disciplined about it, mm. we're going to lose that time because with kids coming along, with deadlines coming along, there's always something that is higher in the priority. Okay. By scheduling it, what it means to me is I'm prioritizing this. I suppose good things can come out, come out of it as well, right? Now yes. I'm just thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you uh, if you have a schedule, like mm-hmm. let's say if you schedule, and you are working towards that date, right? Mm. There are things that you can do. Yeah, then you for can yourself plan as ahead. Well. Yeah. Right, you can plan ahead. You can like, oh no, no, this Thursday is going to be the surprise day. I let me plan something. Mm. So there's enough time to even do that build up. You can buy flowers that day. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. You can go do your personal grooming before that big day, the yeah. before Thursday and all. That's all possible. Yeah, right? and then all the teasing can happen way before that. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, is one of the biggest problem that Singaporean couples have not having enough sex with their partners? Well, from the statistics that surveys has found, <laughs> it seems that um, the frequency of Singaporeans having sex is one of the lowest in this region. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess it's multifactorial. I mean, the work is an issue. Um, the kids is an issue. You know, the abundance of nightlife here is an issue. There's so much distractions. Mm-hmm. And now with the lockdown pandemic that has just formed plus us, you know, all of us are so comfortable with being at home, doing everything at home. Mm, yes. Right, like being at home means that I'm always on my phone, um, going on e-commerce site or just surfing TikTok and IG. Or even chasing a K-drama. Oh, you know, you know whatever. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, we are doing a lot of things. Um, other than just being with our partners. Yeah. So I guess that's a busyness that we are all very drawn to. Mm. So some people wonder about like mm. what's the ideal frequency, right? Mm. And sometimes you know, among friends, we sort of talk about it. Hey, so, you know, what's your frequency and all. And I suppose it comes from a place of like trying to at mm. least be fair to our partners sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like if people are having, if people are saying that the norm is like once every two weeks and mm. you know that you are like once every month, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then maybe you know that you are lacking effort. I, I don't know. I'm just like... <laughs> I, I to me, um, there's no ideal frequency. It's okay. what works for you and your relationship. I mean, some couples, you know, they can be added three, four times a day, especially at the start of a relationship. Mm. Okay. And some couples find, you know, a few times 
um, once every few months is good enough. So it's understanding each other's schedule, each other's work pace, and what does it mean to be intimate. And in, it's like setting a regular date is different from insisting to have sex during that date. Setting a regular date is different from insisting to have sex on on that date. So so let's what does say it mean, yeah. um let's say if me and my my partner we decided okay we should have an intimate time um once a week. Okay. But it doesn't mean that every time we need to have sex. Mm. Sometimes it can be just a hard hard talk. Okay. Yeah, so what I would insist on in that discipline harm to couples, long-term married couples is to set a regular time for connection but not every time needs to end up in bed. Mm. Yeah. So is it okay for married couples to not have sex? Well, you know, if it doesn't make them enjoyable, if both of them are struggling with something at the moment, we are bound to have some time that's low. Okay. Yeah, but then if that, if not having sex is causing problems in the relationship itself, then that, that needs to be handled. Mm. Yeah. If the lack of sex is causing them to be feel disconnected of letting them feel that, you know, their partner don't love them and the resentment is building up or the suspicious that, you know, is my partner's seeing somebody else outside. Ah, you okay. See? So, so that means they are satisfying that part of it correct. with someone else outside. Correct, correct. Okay. So, so if elder things are cropping up in the background, okay, okay. then it's time to put it on the table and work on it. Um, mm-hmm. That's true. So when do people typically come and see you? Um, typically, partners. unfortunately, pretty late. <laughs> So when there's, like you said, mm. a few times already, there's a lot of resentment. Yeah. yeah. So I end up spending a lot of time solving those resentment uh, rather than dealing with the actual issue first. So you're like a counsellor as well? Yeah. Marriage counsellor? Yeah. So uh, that's where my coaching skills then comes in. Okay. Because uh, I've been doing coaching for the last, well, 15 years. Yeah. And then I kind of specialise in relationship coaching later on my coaching career as well. Mm. So it's, it's kind of, the whole thing that I'm doing is really a blend of both medical science as well as my coaching skill set. How many people are like you in the market today, like providing this kind of a blend of um, holistic blend, consultation? You Okay, know? not really, because I have the medical colleagues who just do the medical stuff. Mm. And then I have my psychologist friends who are just doing the psychology bits. Okay. Yeah. And then, of course, there are um, other sex practitioners, like tantric sex practitioners, who also then offer their services that way. But those will not be the medically trained mm. in terms of... So they of will uh, have their own form of training, whether it's a coaching training, therapist training, mm. or some of them are, you know, essential massage. Mm. Yeah. So they, they're all, like, I think we all work differently. Uh, they bring out the different facades of what sex really is so that, you know, the client can then look at what is it they're lacking and choose um, someone they, they want to work with. Okay. I want to bring you back a mm. little bit to the parenting part. Go ahead, go ahead. So you have children? Yes. I, I think sometimes I read about I read yeah. about your relationship with mm. your children, your mm-hmm. parenting and mm-hmm. all. So, uh, premarital sex is very very common now. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would think that uh, not having premarital sex <laughs> mm-hmm. after a certain age mm-hmm. is then the kind of like the abnormal. Oh, you know, yeah, okay. you are like, ah, you mean you are you you are, are still, still a virgin, right? Virgin, like, <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, as a parent, mm. you know, do you would you how would you approach this topic and would you think that it's okay for, since we move along mm-hmm. with time, mm-hmm. you know, that premarital sex, we just have to accept mm-hmm. it as time pass off. Mm. Um, to me, the key is not about premarital sex. Mm. Is how is that relationship a choice for the both parties involved and they are respectful of each other in that encounter? But when you are 15 or 16, it's 
mm. a bit it's, too chim. Yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. difficult to mm-hmm. have that maturity level. Mm-hmm. So how should parents talk to their kids about it? Okay, unfortunately, my kids are not in that age range yeah, yet. Yeah. Um, but what I've been doing with my child ever since uh, she was born was a lot of boundary setting. So she gets to say her yes or her no quite readily. And I respect that. I mean, unless it's you know something against the safety. For example, okay. crossing the road without holding hands, that's a big no-no for, say, a two-year-old. Mm. Okay? But, you know, if she wants to choose whether she wants to eat rice or noodles, she gets her choice. Ah, uh, okay. You see? So it's about that respect. And she knows that, you know, she can, we can trust her with her choice. Okay. That, so eventually, when she chooses her partner, okay, she knows that she's aware that she has a choice and she has to, she's also aware of the consequences that comes after. Mm. Yeah, so I'm not sure... Um, whether you know parents frequently practice this one, the way I do parenting is I allow the consequences to be there mm. to teach my kids, you know, what happens after A, after B, after C. I don't stop them from doing this un- unless it's tra- life threatening. Okay, if you want to run, go ahead, but this is a rough floor. Mm. Okay, and you're going to fall and go to scratch your knee. Okay, go. Okay. Yeah. What about um, teenagers? Mm-hmm. What do you think parents should? Is there, is there a good way, a good framework? To me, it's also about respecting. Um, why am I bringing this respecting up so much? Is because I feel that, right, a lot of times we take for granted how people treat us and how we treat people. And we don't see someone else as a total individual with their own views and opinions. Mm. You know, when somebody views as very different from us, you know, the cancer culture then starts coming in. Mm. Okay. And to me, in order to build an intimate relationship, respect is the fundamental of it. Then the connection can comes in. Mm. Okay. Because for parents, mm. a lot of parents, when the kids is growing up, they mm. have this sense of authority over yes. their kid, right? Yes. And therefore, the respect they sometimes expect it to be one way. Correct. Like as a kid, you should yes. respect me as your dad or your mom. Yes. And all. Maybe let me come to something a bit even more specific. Mm. If, uh, should I? So should I? If should I hand my kid like a condom or teach my kid how to use practice safe sex? I mean, the schools do it, but it's really very... Uh, amateur? No, say amateur, <laughs> but it's such a small part of mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like maybe when I was back in school, it was like one lesson mm. whereby the school separate the boys and the girls. The mm-hmm. girls go into another lecture theatre and you learn about like that one session. Mm. It's not a culture. Mm. It's more of, I feel, I don't know whether it has changed now mm. in MOE, in, mm-hmm. in our schools. Mm-hmm. But during my time, now I think back about it, it's more of like, yeah, it's something we should talk about. So let's talk about it and let's move on with it. Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, talk about it, but not move on. As in like, once <laughs> we are done with that class, like, oh, yeah, okay, correct. the KPI is done. Okay, yes. So we have taught the kids how yes. to, you mm-hmm. know, how to, we taught the girls how to, use a, how to mm-hmm. go on mm. condom, you know. And okay, let's go back to our class. Mm. And, you know, school carries on. Yeah, I mean, Putting on condom is a very important aspect to prevent STDs and unwanted pregnancies. But beyond that, what I feel that we need to teach our kids is, you know, is this sexual encounter something that you want? Mm. Is this an encounter that your partner also wants? Yeah. Typically, the girls are the one that we worry about more. Uh, that's for that, <laughs> I realise. Yeah, despite, you know, all this <laughs> talk about gender equality, yes. right? If I have a daughter, I worry about my daughter. You know, yeah. for guys, for boys, you still feel like, mm-hmm. ah, yeah. Because at the mm. end of the day, in the back of our mind, especially in our very Chinese Asian kind of society, mm. if you get pregnant, mm. 
we always say that it's the girl that's on the losing end more. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. even if you go for abortion, yes. you know, or even if you decide to have a baby, become a single mom, mm-hmm. you have to bear a very significant consequence. Indeed. So how can we prevent all of that, you see? <laughs> so um, I'm not sure whether you're aware, uh, is that for countries who are practicing holistic sexual education, mm. okay, which means they talk about a lot more things other than just abstinence, um, the age where their teenagers have sex actually increased. Okay, and the number of teenage pregnancies actually reduced. Okay, so the significance component is, is like, okay, if the whole world, right, say that this plate of chicken rice is super nice, but your mom and dad say, no, don't eat it, it's horrible. Mm. What's that urge you're going to have as a teenager? Try it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay, but you know what? If I say, yeah, I think the chicken rice is not too bad, but you have to taste it for yourself, judge it for yourself. Okay. Then maybe you were like, okay, let me think whether I want to do it or not. Okay, okay. You, you see that? When yep. we give our kids that responsibility of choice mm. versus denying them the choice, okay. they start to be, they, for, they are being forced to be mature about it. Okay. So on a scale of 1 to 10, mm. 10 being like, the, the countries that you've spoken about, mm-hmm. holistic, mm-hmm. education kind of mm-hmm. way, uh, where is Singapore in that scale now? I don't know. They recently just upgraded their sexual education course, supposedly. Okay. Um, I haven't get a chance to see how this is being run. Because mm. most of them are outsourced to vendors as well. Mm, outsourced to vendors, right? So I've mainly been able to collect data from people that I know mm. um, about how their classes were. Okay. Yeah. What do you think is most important that we teach our children at that age? Mm-hmm. Yeah, during puberty, you know, uh, like we mentioned about boundaries, mm-hmm. um, making a choice for yourself, respect. Consent. Mm. Mm-hmm. So what is a yes and what is a no? So what's a yes and what's a no? Yeah. So when, um, well, in case any parents that's you know, watching this, you know, feel free to Google on YouTube um, this thing called consent about teacup or something like that. I can't remember exactly the title. But it talks about, you know, when someone offers you tea, what exactly is a yes? Okay, so it has to be an enthusiastic yes, yes. Not a maybe yes. Okay? okay I offered you tea just now, you said no. So I know that's a no. Yes, correct. That was very clear. Yeah. And you would respect that, so thank you, you know. Yeah. Um, so the thing is, when someone also then say tea today, mm. doesn't mean that they also want tea the next day. <sighs> okay. Okay? And someone may want tea in the afternoon, they might want, not want it in the evening. So, you know, the whole sexual encounter is about a series of yes. This yes sometimes is verbal, sometimes it's through the physical language. So one of the things that I think we can improve on is to teach our kids, you know, what is a clear consent. And this has been very muffled um, since being you know, Asian, we are actually very, very polite to each other. So mm. very often, right, you will see Elderly, you know, strangers, you know, or, or aunties and uncles that you only see during Chinese year. Oh, a boy, a girl, you're so cute, huh? Can I hug you? And then before okay. the kid even say yes or no, mm. the hug is already delivered. Uh, oh no, I'm guilty of that. <laughs> no, really, you know, I have a cousin. <laughs> okay, okay. My youngest cousin, mm-hmm. just share a side story. My youngest mm-hmm. cousin, she is, um, how is she? She's 10 this year, so she's mm. 24 years younger than me. Mm, so mm. she's really like the, the darling of mm. the whole family, oh. right? Mm-hmm. But she's really 10. Mm. And sometimes when I go over, I will say, Kay, come over, let me let me give you a hug. Mm. I don't I never wait, I never wait for her sometimes to say yes or no. Oh, okay. Like okay. she comes over. Ah, okay. Then 
Yeah, so don't know. I I'm not sure. I wasn't there, so uh. I wouldn't know whether she come over willingly with enthusiasm mm. or she do it out of obligation. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you you see what I mean, right? Because yes, if, if our child is brought up in an environment where they are obligated to reciprocate, okay, okay, then when they enter relationship, they will also bring the same obligation with them, and that's where it makes consent very fuzzy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I can play my part also by instead of saying, "Okay, let me give you a hug." Okay, can I give you a hug? Mm. Or let me give you a hug. Or, or just I mean, just wait and the see question, her response. Yeah. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Never thought of that. Full, full, full for thought. <laughs> uh. So, mm. in your work today, right? Yes. What is your What's your typical day like? Like in, in terms of your work, because we know that. Um, you run an academy, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. by the word, I suppose there's some uh, education element to yeah. it. Then you also run a coaching, like mm. there's coaching, and there is also the medical aspect of it, mm, right? Mm. So how does all this piece together in the whole uh, operations of the yeah, academy? Well, I mean, yeah. I still see my patients, um, as in like my patients' patients, not my sex clients. Okay, so that also um, takes up some of my time. Um, so. When it comes to the academy itself, there are different components of work that we do. So we do content creation for education. We work with different partners and vendors to deli- deliver either workshops or um, some content creations or doing PR releases where they need um, someone to come in, some expert to come in with quotes and things like that. Okay, mm. then um, also do consultancy work for some of the agencies where they needed some advice when it comes to uh, presenting sexual content to their audiences. Okay, and of course, then there's my client's coaching. Yeah. And then, of course, my team is also looking at how do we then um, bring our work to the future generation. Mm. So, as you know, you know, Web 2 is moving to Web 3.0. Yep. And hence, you know, for us, because con- we do know that, you know, the bunch of our youngsters really look elsewhere other than their parents for sex ed. Mm. And there's a lot of things that's ongoing that may not be most appropriate. And um, grooming for sexual um, reasons has been on the rise in the last five years, actually. So we do hope that you know by entering to the Web 3.0 space earlier, we can actually engage the youngsters earlier and give them the appropriate sex ed mm. that they may be looking for. Yeah. What's the vision of the academy when you started out in September 2020? With your co-founders, mm-hmm. um, well, back then, the whole idea of why we call it an academy is we want it to be a school. Yep. So it's not just me, you know, giving advice to people, but how do we train different coaches such that we can deliver different forms of um, sex ed and therapy sessions to different people? Okay, and how can we also use the academy as a sex wellness platform? For various people to partake in our activities, and we partner with different people to enhance the whole sexual wellness um space itself. Yeah, and of course, definitely a hub for sexual education. Okay, mm. so what are some? Are there any like signature programs that you all run, mm. or what are some of the trademark programs or people who want to who are interested in the academy? You know. Yeah. Uh. So we run the pleasure masterclass. Okay. As our signature program, um, it's a three-hour workshop. We actually teach couples or individuals. Um, what are the key points when it comes to pleasure? So both the based on the technical bits, the anatomy of the human body, as well as how to build the ambience and how to use, yeah, you know, the biggest 
well, not the biggest, but actually the most active um, sex organ is actually the brain. Mm. So how do you use the brain to actually build up the whole mood for a more enjoyable session? So that was covered in our pleasure masterclass. So this was done, I suppose, during the pandemic, it was done online. Mm. And now is it done in physical, like face-to-face? Oh, we haven't quite started the face-to-face one yet. Okay, but yeah. people who are interested to sign up for this master course. Yeah, can just drop us an email and then we can address from there. Okay, mm. I suppose there's also that, of course, there's that one-to-one consulting that people definitely, can do, right? Definitely, Uh Let's talk a little bit about this Web 3.0 thing. Mm. What is what is this Web 3.0 thing and what is NFT to you personally? Well, to me, it's a channel, it's a platform where we can reach more people of the target audience. Um, technically, how should I say? Okay, everything that we can do now can actually still function in the Web 2.0. Okay, because we are still pretty much a brick and mortar um, business itself at this moment. So we are in the midst of how do we actually transit over to Web 3.0 and when the metaverse is open up, how do we enhance and engage on the enhance on the availability of the virtual reality mm. to tap into an audience that is no longer bounded by time zones, by cultures, by boundaries that way. Mm. Which is actually what the young kids are today are yeah. accustomed to. Correct. Like, I don't know, I think there's this app called Roblox, right? Yeah. Roblox. It's a, it's a game, yeah. It's a game, but mm. it looks it looks a bit like virtual reality, you it know. Is, it is. And kids, five year old, six year old, seven year old. Yeah. They are on that. Yeah. In fact, um on Roblox, um more than fifty percent of the players mm. are actually in the age range of thirteen to seventeen. So what's the idea behind, what's the vision behind uh, the Academy going Web 3.0? Is it then to have like a virtual school mm-hmm. on something like yes. the Metaverse? Yes. Where kids can go in to learn? Yes. So not just about learning about sex education. Um, so of course the typical content of like consent, um, boundaries, um, how do you pleasure your partner is there. But I'm also looking at how can it also be a healing space? Alright, because um, along the way, some of us are bound to have breakups. And really, who do we go to? Mm, cry to your friends. Or yeah, we cry to our friends. Yeah. And when was after that? Because mm. our friends may not be the best person to help us sort out what exactly went wrong in the relationship. Yeah. So some of us either end up blaming ourselves or blaming our partner for cheating or something like that. Mm. And we carry that burden of hurt in the next relationship and the next and the next. Okay. Yeah, so a healing space where people can recover from bad relationships, um, from sexual assaults, or things like that. I digress, but I want to ask you mm. a curious question. Now we talk about healing. Mm. For people who seem to always attract the wrong partners, right? Mm. Uh, is it their fault? Yes and no. Okay. <laughs> um, no, it's because there's a lot of things that happens that's out of their control. Maybe using the word fault is a wrong choice mm-hmm. of word. Mm-hmm. Like, do they have to be responsible for it as well? Well, if they see themselves as an adult, then they ought to be. Mm. Okay. Um, why a person is always attracting the wrong partner? Okay. There's got to be a reason behind it. And to me, if we are responsible adults, it's about finding what is causing that and make a change to that. So what are typically... Because people, mm. sometimes we don't realise why. We know it's happening. Mm-hmm. It's a phenomenon that mm-hmm. we... Mm-hmm. Uh, in Mandarin, they have this. In China, they have this um, saying. I don't know mm. if you've heard of it. It's mm-hmm. called 西渣体质. Mm, not really. You always attract the cha nan. Ah, okay. Yeah, the, the lousy guys, right? Who are like, you know, mm-hmm, they cheat mm-hmm. on you, mm-hmm. they have multiple relationships. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's this debate 
on whether you should bear certain amount of responsibility when mm-hmm. you keep mm-hmm. running into all these kind of partners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the answer is yes and no. So how how do we uh, reflect upon it? Okay, I mean, as a responsible adult, like you said. Okay, so um, I'm going to generalize this because it's really mm. really difficult to go into detail for each of them because um different complexes has got its variation. But a person who typically goes for someone who is bad or or lower quality per se, um, there's a sense of self worth that's missing. All right, because if I see that I'm not good enough for something that is better, I was always go for something that meet my standards. Okay. Right. And then I'll feel that I deserve it. Because okay. I'm lousy enough, hence, you no, know, they left me or they bullied me or they cheated on me. Mm. Okay? So then it's to work on the self-worthiness. How do you let yourself feel, build, rebuild the confidence in yourself? I mean, and then that's the part that there's no part because there's a whole part of our childhood history that kind of shape us into who we are. You know, we can't change the history. We can't make wrong things right again that way. But what we can do is, you know, let it go, undo it. You know, there are a lot of healing processes that happens from that. And find your worth again. So people who keep running into bad relationships can look for look to you for advice as well. Yeah, <laughs> I guess they can. The counselling part. <laughs> yes, yes. Because yes. like you say, sometimes we need someone who has that clarity of mind. Mm-hmm. So just complaining to your best friend might, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a vent. It's a, it's a vent. Yeah, yes. you can vent it out. But nothing changes. Yeah, nothing changes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, then the other thing is, you know, sometimes we talk about how uh, good guys finish last and, <laughs> you know, how the girls like bad boys, right? Well, okay, um, you got to look at, you know, what about the bad boy is attractive? Mm. I mean, usually when we are young, we want something exciting, we want something adventurous because we know that, you know, that's the only time we can do it. We are almost mm. when we are young. But usually as, you know, women mature, they will look for someone who is more stable, etc., etc. Mm. So maybe the bad part thing can be a phase. But if it keeps coming, then you've got to really look at the reasons. I mean, I know people in abusive relationships. Um, and then if you look at their whole entire history, they tend to come from abusive families as well. And somewhere deep down inside, they believe that they can change the man in front of them through their love. Can or not? Can men be changed? Well, only if they want to. Okay. But we cannot change somebody else. Okay. So it becomes a delusion in a way. It mm. becomes a lot of lies that they are doing to themselves because they couldn't change their father or whatever. So they think they can change their husband, for example. Okay. So, so that's why there's a lot of complexes that go behind all these stories. It's about going through each and every case and to look at what is the root cause of it all. Mm. One other general question. So you know there's a lot of uh, people always like to talk about how... Mm. Uh, men and women are built differently, wired mm. differently. Mm. So I think times have sort of changed a bit. But last time, right, for example, you know, remember when Jackie Chan had an affair? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had a daughter that came yeah. out of that relationship. Mm-hmm. And in that press conference, mm-hmm. you know, he famously said that he made a mistake that all mm. men <laughs> in the world would make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This world that we live in today, right, mm-hmm. has a lot of um, distractions. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we can be... Be it man or woman, uh, mm. I think sometimes that infidelity can mm. happen quite easily. Yeah, because we are spending so much more time at work. Yes, and um, if you talk about the closest colleague that you have mm-hmm. at work, sometimes mm-hmm. you might find yourself having a more intimate connection. Yeah, with your colleague mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than your spouse at home. Yeah, 
And that's when things can start to you know go wrong sometimes, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. When infidelity happens, right? Mm-hmm. And a partner finds out about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. There's always this argument that as men and women, right, mm-hmm. we are wired a bit differently, mm-hmm. and men ought to be forgiven, <laughs> or they okay. expect to be forgiven. <laughs> okay. Then for the woman, right, mm-hmm. the conventional wisdom wisdom mm-hmm. is that women tend to put in more emotional, mm-hmm. and uh, they're more vested emotionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a physical thing. Mm-hmm. What's your what's your thought to that? Okay, um, we don't have the stats for local, mm. but um, based on the stats that's done in Europe as well as US, it does shows that men are more inclined to have an affair um, due to desire attraction reasons, whereas women tend to have affairs because of uh, emotion neglect. So that means it's in a way it is way proven, true, true, but uh, the numbers okay. are not that far apart. So that means you will still have women who are in for the sex only. Mm. And you will still have men who are in for the emotional journey. So it's not an exclusive thing, even though the numbers, you know, does sway to one side, but it's not a clean cut thing. So it still goes down to, you know, every case, what exactly has caused the infidelity? And to understand that, you know, sometimes infidelity is not just the fault of the person who's having the affair. How did the other person who claims the victim also played a role in it? You see, so so it's multifactorial in its own mm. way, and that's why it what makes my job interesting, because I become a detective, I get to gather all the data and evidences, uh-huh. and I put it everything on the table, and for the couple to decide, you know, what is it that they want to be responsible for, what is it they want to start changing, because I have worked with couples after cheating they broke up, I also worked with couples who after cheating their relationship becomes even stronger. Mm. You see, so cheating is never just itself. It's look at you know what exactly is causing it and moving on what matters to this couple. So you take a neutral approach. Yeah. So um, that's why with couples coaching, you can never take sides. The moment you take sides, yeah. you've lost the battles for everyone. Yeah, it's yeah. difficult though. Well, that's why the challenge is to not be quite judgmental about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have to play a neutral role, but I have to take sides from time to time whenever mm. I see that one party is losing out. So I'm always the bouncing ball. So you take side of the losing party to, to nudge, nudge, yeah, nudge, nudge. The so person. they can find okay. that power. They need their little cheerleader okay. to be empowered, and then they can rise to the occasion and fight their battle again. Mm. Do you have a personal biggest no-no in a relationship? Mm, my personal relationship? No, I said like when you uh, when you counsel a couple. So like for me, right, mm. my family has always been brought up. Like my mum mm. has taught us, my sister and all mm-hmm. that. Uh, if a man ever lays his hands on you, mm-hmm. then it's over. Mm, mm, mm. Like it's not even so much the infidelity part, mm, you know, and all. Mm, it's like mm. if he dares beat you up, right? Mm, mm. Like if he dares physically abuse mm. you, mm-hmm. yeah, then it's over. Walk out. Yeah, okay. Then that's not for me to judge. Okay. Uh, for the couples, they have to decide for themselves. Okay, because I have known of couples where the girls hit the men. <laughs> right then is it also over mm. okay so we really have to understand that what is that cause of aggression is that something that can be changed mm. is that something that the parties involved are willing to work through because mm. if nothing is going to change then whether they stay in this relationship or to move on to the next relationship it will always remain mm. so to me it's also a healing process for each of the individuals to work through whatever it is that contributes to the current situation. Mm. 
we have one question prepared. I think it's uh, important that we raise this. Oh, go ahead. Uh, there are more people choosing to be single, remain <laughs> single. Okay. And they may not um, have a partner. Mm-hmm. They have their friends, they have mm-hmm. their families mm-hmm. and all, but they, um, in terms of romantic relationship, mm-hmm. uh, they are single and they may not, they lose that uh, connection, desire? that connection with mm-hmm. that one other, mm-hmm. one other significant other. Mm-hmm. How should they practice uh, wellness and sexual relationship mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sexual wellness for themselves? Well, it depends. I mean, they might not choose to be, to have one committed partner, um, but in this day and age, open relationship is quite common as well. Mm, okay, yeah. Well, to me, so it's, it's up, up, up there to, person. to okay. me, it's, as long as you're responsible for somebody and you are no, you are aware of the boundaries and the consent that is revolving about it, it's about two mature people coming together, you know, sure, go ahead and make sure it's a safe sex, of course. Okay. All right. And of course, um, personal pleasure, masturbation, um, that is also practiced by, I guess, quite a number of people. Mm. Just that uh, for females, it's also more taboo compared to men. Mm. Yeah, so it's just about being comfortable with that. How do you still allow yourself to express your sexuality and understand your needs that way? Mm. I'm curious though, you know, as a coach and as a doctor mm. and personally, right, there are some people who are increasingly exploring all this alternative lifestyle. Mm. Mm. Uh, like you mentioned, um, open relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Previously, I spoke to someone who spoke about, who spoke about uh, mono, mono, monogamy versus mm. like poly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your views to that? Okay, um, to, to me, right, whether it's open relationship, monogamy, polygamy, I still go down to my basics. All right, what is it? What is ethical and consensual? The ethics part is a bit more ambiguous. Because right? um, different cultures and different eras, the ethics changes. So then, in fact, then I will focus more on what is consensual. Mm. What is an agreement between two parties? You know, it's very interesting. One of the things I always tell my clients, every time you sign up for a new job, you scrutinize the JD line by line and make sure you don't get cheated by your company. Mm. But when you enter a relationship, do you even talk about what's between you and your partner to be? What is the agreement? Mm. You see, and then when you sign that marriage certificate, do you actually review your JD Compared, because girlfriend 1.0 and Y1.0 is very different, the JD. Mm-hmm. Do we actually review it even? Because the, a lot of us now, it's like, we talk about how the feeling is right, mm. there's chemistry, mm. all these things are very intangible, right? Mm. JD mm. is like, you know, point A, point B, point C, yeah. point D. Yeah. So, what do you suggest the framework should okay. be? To me, it's without the foundation of a structure to fall back on, when the feelings fuzz, okay, feelings go up and down, based on our mood for the day. Mm. Something bad happens to us that day, we feel lousy. Our feeling goes down. Or our need for our partner to make us feel better increases. Then, you know, like, usually I'm fine with, let's say, meeting once a week. Just because I had a bad day today at work, I expect my partner to call me every hour. Mm. Then, that's very different from the usual expectations, right? Then, then if my partner don't understand it, and didn't respond in time, and then he'll be scolded for not being caring and being insensitive. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's very tiring. <laughs> and it's not very fair to me. Yeah. So it's about working all those things out. Okay. Mm. This JD thing, uh, you know, unless mm. we are going to a matchmaking service, <laughs> they show you uh, literally a bio mm-hmm. profile mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. someone else. Mm-hmm. When we are, when an organic relationship happens, mm-hmm. when you, because of mm. uh, this exposure to mm-hmm. interaction, right? Mm-hmm. Be it at the workplace or in school. Yeah. Uh, or at a friend's party, you know, mm-hmm. mutual, uh, you, you know someone through a mutual yeah, friend, yeah. 
how do we then establish the equivalent of a JD? Oh, it's about talking about it slowly. What do you expect in a partner? Okay. How, how soon do you think we should talk about it in a very more structured manner? Uh, as well, as soon as you like confirm this person to be your girlfriend, boyfriend, I guess. Okay. Or even then before that, you're really teasing out. Um, ah, you see, like, um, sizing the person up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You have to suss out, right? So yeah. I, I actually wrote a little guidebook on how to suss out the right partner. Um, oh, it's uh, available to download? I think so. I'm not sure that I put it in the catalogue. But okay. yeah. Uh, so I, I talk about things like, you know, how do you through different questions, you mm. know, look at what are your values of the person? Because the values of the person, whether it matches yours, then determine how far this relationship may go. Mm. Okay, I mean, if, for example, if you value privacy a lot, and I value socialization a lot, okay, we're going to have problems down the line. Yeah. Yeah, so knowing these differences doesn't mean that we, it cannot work, but we have to know where the boundaries. Are you comfortable with me socializing by myself? Am I comfortable with just leaving you alone at home and then I go out myself? You know, that kind of thing. Or I must insist that every time I go out and socialize, I must bring you along. Mm. You see, these are like potential conflict points already. And it's a process whereby you smoothen out the Yeah, so if uh, you can like, you know, talk about it earlier on yeah. and then set the boundaries earlier on. Of course, you can update it. Yeah. It needs to be updated regularly. Yeah. Then we can, you know, not have an argument about it unnecessarily. Yeah. Yeah. This is exactly the issue I'm facing. <laughs> because I'm a very introverted person. Okay. I don't really like to like uh, socialize. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then my girlfriend is more of the, you know, for a woman, right? Yeah. <sighs> Sometimes when you, they, they see all the other friends have mm-hmm. a plus one mm-hmm. at the gatherings. Yes. And of course, they also want to have mm-hmm. you there, right? Mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the plus one. Mm-hmm. And, so yeah, lo. So yes. that's well, that's that that's that that process of. Yes. Uh, I want to come back to the. Sorry, we're jumping all over the place, but the NFT. Mm. So I saw your um launch uh, NFT yes. series. Mm. Can you tell us more about it? Or maybe you can pass me the like. You have something for me today. Oh, but this is more for the the sex kit. Oh okay. Maybe we will talk about it at the end. Sure. We talk about NFT first. Okay. Can 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 we can do that? Um. So we first launched our first set of NFTs as pertaining to womb. Mm. Um, what I wanted to do that was part of the Women's International Day and we, we were actually working on how do we dispel myths around sex. Alright? So one of the things that happens was that, you know, women, okay, all women has a womb. But yet, because it's associated with menstruation, it's always deemed as a dirty thing. Mm. Okay? And when... A pregnancy happens through the womb, everyone celebrates it. So this womb is very conflicted, you know. Like one, it is the reason for celebration, yet the other part is like the menstruation or even abortions and miscarriages. Mm. There's so much taboo around it. So we were thinking like, you know, could we actually throw something out into the market and tell people that this womb needs to be appreciated no matter which phase it's at end? Whether it's menstruating, whether it's going through menopause, or whether it just had a miscarriage or abortion, it is equally celebrated as much as this when it's carrying a baby. Yeah. So what is the how's the response been? Um, well, I would say it's not as great as we would love it to be, because mm. we are still very new in the NFT yep. market. But it definitely gave us confidence to push through this further. And how can we actually look into entering this market with even more confidence down the road? Okay. Mm. Earlier you spoke about uh, educating on Web 3.0 mm. and all. So mm. what are some of the concrete things mm. that we can look forward to from the academy and you mm-hmm. in terms of 
this aspect, the Web 3.0. Okay, so what we are looking at uh, next time, we are launching, we are working with um, our partners to actually launch this NFT called an author half, mm. where we actually teach people of how do you profile your partner and through the using of NFT for the engagement, how do you sign up whether this person is the right person for you? Say that again, through the through NFT? Through the NFT itself, because okay. the NFT has got different features. Yeah. Um, so by having the different features, you kind of match whether this person is the right one for you. So let's uh, say okay. um, I have a feature called Spartacles. Okay, on my author. It's, it's a cute little author. Okay. Okay, and this other person also have a spectacle. Oh, okay, okay. And okay. that causes a match. So automatically the system will highlight to you, the, oh, okay, somebody else also owns an author with a spectacles. Because mm. uh, spectacles may mean intellect to both parties and that's already a value match that way. Mm. Yeah, actually I saw the video <laughs> on the YouTube channel mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on the author, author half. Mm-hmm, it's very mm-hmm. cute. Yes. Uh, so it's like interactive game? Uh, not quite a game yet. It's mm. still a very 2D NFT at this moment in time. Mm. Mm. So other than this NFT project, you know, uh, what other work that we can look forward to from the academy in the next short term or long term, medium term? Uh, medium term, we hope to be able to have a sexual wellness platform on the matter of us. Okay, yeah. Yep. Uh, sexual wellness. Uh, what about brick and mortar? Is there is there things that you are looking at as well? Uh, so currently it's still business as usual. Um, the intimacy coaching, coaching is still happening. The workshops are still happening. Mm. And collaborations with different partners is still happening that way. Okay. What are you most excited about in for the future? How do we scale this whole sexual wellness thing in a way that not just that it's not limited by boundaries, but not and also not limited by ability. Okay, what do I mean by that? Mm. No, now when we suss out a partner, right, we look at how they look, um, what's their social economic status, okay, what's their education status whether they are handicapped or not. Yep. Okay. So in this metaverse where all of us are just avatars, <sighs> we put that all aside. Okay. And we can just focus on connecting with another human for what they really are deep under. Ah. Without the superficialities of it. Okay, okay, okay. Yes. Interesting. That's something that excites me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's something. So we get to the soul of the person. Mm. Not so much the physical aspects and mm. all. Physical aspects is still quite important, right? I mean, I guess to some people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there are people who um, have deal breakers. Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. for some girls, I suppose one of the most common one is if the guy is shorter. Mm. I mean, it's a physical thing. Mm-hmm. Shorter mm-hmm. than her. Mm-hmm. Then it's a no-no for her. Yeah. 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 Okay, and then you know how much... I mean, we are really, really not um talking... We're already like, you know, marginalized people who, you know, for example, have a road traffic accident and they're paralyzed from hips down, for example. Yeah. Does it mean that they are not worthy to have a partner forever? Mm. But they can find their own partners as well. But just that maybe the pool is smaller. People who accept yeah. them is already yeah. smaller. So, yeah, so at the metaverse, you know, all of us are equal in their aspects. Great. Mm. I think that's very exciting. Uh, you have another colleague with you today? Yes, sure. And sh- so she will talk to us about... Uh, so Zhang Yun will be sharing more about our An Author Half project mm. and to look at you know how this is kind of going to add a little bit of spice into the whole dating scene in Singapore right now. Okay, great. We'll talk to her later. Do you have any other things to add? Well, I'll be happy to share with you my intimacy kit and what's in store for it later. Please, let me take a look. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay.
Okay, this is my first time looking at this unboxing. So this is an eye mask. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, so this is um, a oh. blindfold. So this kit is overall to... Okay. Okay, there are some notes as well. Mm-hmm. But more on the other side, where the yes, no, maybe list is. Ah, okay. Yes, no, maybe. So I will scan this. I'll link this in the prof- in the description box. So how do I use this? Okay. Um, so what happened... I have an online link anyway. I can okay. give it to you if you okay. need it. Okay, so basically, right, um, for some couples, you find it awkward to talk about sex right mm. at the start. Mm. So this yes, no, baby list become a conversion starter. So, so before you even have sex? Yes. You go through this first? Yes. Okay. So, you know, like you and your girlfriend, um, yep. you can take the list and each of you can take under each um, item, mm. whether is it a yes, no, or a maybe. So, for example, is, you know, rimming a yes, no, or maybe for you. Mm. So some Somebody just like, oh, this is way too out for me. You know, anything near my anus is too scary. No. Mm, mm, mm. Some people mean maybe a baby. Mm. So you kind of then gauge what is the boundaries when it comes to um, sexual interactions with your partner. Ah, mm. okay. Okay, actually this is very useful. Okay, this is very useful. <laughs> we will link this, the e-copy, the way so everybody can get it. And this is a... Condoms. Okay, this is a condom. Okay, and this is. Ah, um. So we have prepared some cards. Yep. Okay, so uh, those are educational cards. I have included a few exciting um, sexual positions okay. for people, so that you can know, like, know how do you get into the positions? What is the, the plus point about these positions? Mm, mm, mm. These are like sex toy, right? Uh yeah, that was a sex toy. So that means if I have this sex toy, yeah. I can choose yeah. to like use it. So people can get this kit online. Yes. Through your platform as well, mm-hmm. the website. Mm-hmm. Okay, I see two other items. Okay, so sometimes we have collaborations with different partners yep. and then we'll throw in freebies inside. Mm. Mm. So this is from Tulips. Um, okay. So they are a brand that actually take care of the intimate area. Mm, okay. So I guess can give it to your girlfriend. And there's a kinder surprise here. Ah, absolutely, my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a? This is a Tengah egg. Okay. Um, it's, actually called, it's actually a masturbator sleeve. Mm-hmm. So it's for men. So I thought you know, this would be appropriate for you. Mm. Uh, can be used by your own or with mm. your partner. So mm. basically, there's texture inside. So it's like a huge, huge, huge condom. You kind of put it over the penis area mm. and um, rubbing it in different way then thereby co- produces different sensations. Okay. What do you think is the role of sex toy in mm. a two-person's relationship? Well, to me, it can make things a bit more fun, less okay. mundane and routine. Okay. Spice up things a little bit here and there. I mean, it, it might not be great every time. Just that, you know, once in a while, okay, let's... I'm bored, honey. Let's do something funny. Mm-mm-mm. You know? There's one more thing. Oh, oh that's, that's the pouch for the blindfold. Okay. Mm. Interesting. So, thank you, Dr. Tan, for this kit. Yes. I hope you'll find it very useful. Yes. I'm going to use it. I'm going to go through it with my <laughs> partner. <laughs> yes. I think it's a learning process. Nah. It is, it is, it is. And also, especially when... I, I think before sex, I like mentioned, you mm. know, it's something that we can know the boundaries mm. very clearly. Mm. Uh, any other things to add? Well, um, at the end of the day, I'll just say that, you know, um, sex and intimacy is a very important part of our lives. Yes. And it can only be great if you put an effort to it. And this effort, unfortunately, also requires us to be honest with ourselves uh, where we put aside our ego and really hear our partner for that connection to happen. Mm. Yeah, it takes a lot of effort and putting out the ego. So... Mm-hmm. For men out there, right? I mean, I can speak for men uh, because I'm a man. <laughs> for men out there who mm. are actually still very shy, you know, mm. about seeking help mm. because of all the, you know, self, there's this self-worth kind mm-hmm. of thing, right? Mm-hmm. That you, mm-hmm. 
you inevitably you are disappointed with yourself and you feel mm-hmm. like you don't want people to know mm-hmm. what do you think is a good way to seek help for men mm-hmm. well i mean there are anonymous platforms available out there okay where they can you know ask for advices but one of the thing i want to emphasize for men is that um the penis size and how long your erection can last is not the most important thing mm. Is how are you able to make your woman feel safe, such that you can have an intimate moment without her, you know, panicking or feeling uncomfortable about it. That's going to make a difference. You know, make her feel loved and desired. That's going to change the whole game. But the performance is also important, right? Yeah, but because okay, okay, I, we haven't touched about it um, yeah. during this session. Is that um, penile v- vagina penetration is yeah. actually not the most pleasurable thing for women. Okay. Okay, if you can do your clitoral stimulation appropriately and know what the right buttons to warm her up before you get even to the clitoris, we have won more than half the battle. Okay. So men should not be so fixated on just a certain aspect of the sexual mm. intercourse. Mm. Mm. Okay. Any other tips? Well, I mean, if they can actually gun that down, I think many women will be very happy already. Okay. So that's advice for men. Any last advice for women? Okay. Um, for women... um. It's important to know your self-worth, okay? Don't underestimate, you know, how awesome you really are, okay? By being able to treasure yourself, you will teach your men to treasure you. Mm. It's actually an exciting time to be a woman, mm. but it's also like not easy time to be a woman as well. Yeah. A lot of times for women, right, there are still so many roles that women have to juggle mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. be expected to... To do well in everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. so whether you win as a career woman, people can say, mm. like another another aspect of mm-hmm. it, saying that you are uh, not doing enough at the family yes. side. Yes. And if you are good in the family side, if you are full-time homemaker and happy mm. about it, then people have another set of <laughs> rubbish to say. Yes, and whether you are married with no children, one children, two children, three children, or four children. It's never right, yes, though. Yes, yeah. exactly. And you choose to remain single, you're married, mm-hmm. I say no children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have children too fast, people also can say something. Yes. You know, yes. if you have if you choose to just have a long break between two children, mm-hmm. people can also say something. Yeah. Do you have a self-care routine? Maybe the last question I'll ask you <laughs> is I'll ask you is as a woman, you know, mm-hmm. cultivating your own self-worth mm-hmm. and juggling mm-hmm. all the other uh, roles that you're playing mm-hmm. now. What's your self-care routine like? Okay, I'm saying that, you know, I'm really, really bad at this. I'm totally not disciplined at this. This is something that I really have to work on. Okay. Uh, but one of the things matters to me is I have learned how to catch myself when I'm going down. And I learned how to pause, take a break and seek help when I need. So even though I'm a coach, I'm a doctor, okay, trust me, <laughs> I have a lot of other coaches that I work with as well. Oh, you do? Yes. So um, they're my very close friends that I trust, uh, my mentors that I trust. So whenever I'm in trouble, there's a, peop- there's a group of people that I actually go to to seek help as well. Okay. So you think that support network is important for, yes. but for people who do not have that professional kind of network, mm-hmm. so your recommendation is they seek professional help. Um, either professional help or you have a trusted friends. Mm. Okay, then go ahead. Or if you want to start somewhere, there are meetup groups out there that you can start making friends for that purpose. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, great, Doctor Tan. Mm. I appreciate you coming down and sharing. So you know, wearing your heart on the sleeve, and sharing so candidly about many things. Uh, I think we can have a lot of interesting short form content for mm. like for the platforms as well on definitely, TikTok and all. Yes. We can you know push out content from there, yes. and yeah, I look forward to all the exciting uh, initiatives that the academy is doing, and I wish you all the very best. 
I think the society can only get better lah when when sexual wellness is more normalized. I normal definitely hope so. And everybody has a more um, enjoyable sexual relationship with mm. both ourselves and our partners. Yeah, definitely that's important. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. Then we will have a talk with your colleague. Yes. About the NFT projects. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Doctor Tan. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hi, Chong Ying. Hi. Good to have you. So earlier I spoke with Doctor Tan. And you know, I'm very excited about the NFT project. I actually saw the earlier NFT projects that Academy has put out, uh, Celebration of Womb. And now we are looking at the next NFT project. And you're here to tell us more about it. So what is it really about? Yeah, so the Another Half project is about you know, us creating NFT that um, combines art and also the blockchain technology to match individuals so that they can find connection in the blockchain. Yeah. Mm. Why? What's the what's the role of what's the role of the this NFT that's trying to do? The like role. earlier, earlier, Doctor Tan spoke about how it can match people with different N- NFTs. Like you have a similar NFT with another person, right? And it might suggest a match. Uh, how does it work? Okay, so um, the individuals yep. will own different sets of NFTs, right? And then they will have different attributes. So. The difference between this NFT as compared to, you know, the usual NFT is that um, the avatars have attributes that represent their personalities. That's beyond, you know, the physical traits. Uh. So, you know, then when you match the other person, it will be based on your desired personalities, um, you know, preferences, desires. So, you know, it's actually something that's beyond the superficial level. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so I'm represented by an author. Um, an avatar that is an author that okay. carries certain traits with them. Yeah. What's the design inspiration behind this whole thing? Why an author? Okay. Um, it's an interesting question. Uh. So what happened was um, during you know one of the sessions that we have, we were uh, me and my partner, um, we were thinking about a name for the project. We were thinking you know how we can named the project and then suddenly the authors appeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the name came about, Another Half. Okay, yeah. so it's a wordplay on... Another Half. Another Half. Yes. Okay, partner referring to your business partner. Uh, yes, business partner. <laughs> okay, yes. okay. So, uh, why is it... It's quite an, So it's an author half because of the wordplay on Another Half. And so what NFT is trying to do is it becomes a platform for people to find like another match in terms yes. of like a partner. Yes, another find the other half. Okay. Yes. So I'm a bit curious about, uh, I want to ask a little bit more about the exact operations of how it works. So for people who are interested, right, what do I have to do? Do I have to then uh, purchase an NFT on the Academy's website? Or is there a community that I need to join? How do I go about doing it? Mm, yeah, so, well, the, the most basic um, step, right, is to um, have you know, um, an account, you know, and then, um, okay, basically they have to first join um, the platforms that we have available first, which is Discord or Telegram or, you know, um, Twitter. Oh, okay, so you all have a Discord? Yeah, we have a Discord. A Telegram and a Twitter? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Then after that, uh, you know, they have to have a wallet and then um, they will purchase the NFT. Yes, they will choose the NFT that represents them, you know, and then after that, you know, they will... Um, come to our website, which we will create a platform for them to allow the matching to happen. Mm. Yeah. So there are a lot of other ways whereby someone who is single can look for a partner, right? 
there's those traditional kind of matchmaking. Then there's all the dating apps that we can go on. Yes. Uh, what's the idea behind having blockchain and NFT as a platform to do this matching? Yeah. So as Dr. Angela mentioned earlier, we are going towards you know the metaverse. You know, in really a matter of five to ten years. So in that space, people are going to be more disconnected physically, but connected online, right? And then, you know, the anonymous part will become more prevalent. You know, I don't know who you are, you don't know who I am. We are just represented by avatar. So beyond the physical traits, you know, how can we connect in other ways? Mm. You know, so this is where where we come in, uh, yeah. And and we find that you know this may be the formula. For people to connect differently, especially in the form of art, because art conveys things that's beyond words. Mm. Yeah, because words are invented by humans, right? And sometimes you look at the art and you look at something; it just speaks to you, and then you don't understand why. So there must be some elements that connects people, and that's why we are heading towards this and using NFT as a start. Yeah. How many designs are there? How many? Yeah. Um, as of now. <laughs> I mean, it can it can go to as many as ten thousand, but as of now, we have um, the first set of um, the five hundred. Uh, so it's already launched. Um, we have not officially released it, but okay. it is yeah. Okay. In, in in progress, yes. Okay, great. So for people who are interested to find out more information, they can join your Discord channel, Telegram channel, and also a Twitter yes. account as well. Yeah, f- they they should follow our Twitter first. Okay. Yes, then okay. you know we can. For you personally, that. what's most exciting and significant about this project? Mm, for me, because I'm representing, you know, the creative um, part of the project. The most exciting part is to know how to express our personalities in art. Mm. Yeah, because these are things that's beyond what you know the words can describe what we know um, intellectually. Yeah, so expressing them out is the most exciting part for me. It's also a journey for me to understand myself and understand what people need. Yeah. So there are personalities such as like kind author. Yeah, there's no emo author. Oh, emo author. Yeah, okay, like okay, okay. Excited authors, and then okay. some of them are pessimists, optimists. How do you draw them? Because you know emotions are just one type of expression, right? But how to do express you, it through yeah, a drawing. Correct. Yeah. Optimist is a smiley face, and mm. then you know, um, I don't know, a kind person is also a smiley yeah. face. So how do you do that? Mm. Yeah. So that's that's the part that I'm really excited to explore. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a favorite out of all the designs that you have had so far? Yes, yes, yes. Which I one have. is it? Um, it's the one that has a very relaxing um vibe. You know, an author wearing a um a bikini at a beach, relaxing and just basically being very chill, lah. Yeah, I so guess. So what's that author? That author is it? Uh, what's the attribute? The, the, the attribute. Like what is it called? Like kind or relaxed or chill or sexy or oh, um, so so far this okay so this author actually is just um one of the teams lah which is um the traveling team oh. yeah, still exploring the okay. traveling team so it's not yet the attribute based kind of author yeah but I do like the expression that I drew mm. yeah and kind of represent what I want and my journey at this point in time yeah. 
Okay, very interesting. We look forward to uh, the launch. When when will be launched officially? Um, well, you can keep. Uh, we will keep you updated. Okay. Yeah, in Twitter. So for people who yeah, are interested, so follow your Twitter, mm. and we can find out in due course. Yes. Okay. So anything, any other things to add about this project? Nope. Okay. I thank you for your time. Thank you. And we look forward to uh, seeing the project launch officially. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.